Good morning, everyone. Good morning, good morning, and welcome back. Welcome back to another Porsche Cooled podcast, the podcast where we talk about, chat about all things Porsche. Uh, my name is Michael Bath. Um, Steve from Sydney, Australia, my mate from Sydney, Australia. You know him already. You've heard him on so many podcasts now. This is episode 44, by the way, where we're uh, up into the higher numbers, uh, but this is episode 44. Uh, I'm not going to talk too much in this intro. I'm going to just hook up Steve on Zoom because I'm running late as usual and Steve's waiting on the other on the other end. Um, but let's get into the Porsche Cool podcast. Uh, we're going to talk about some some pretty interesting things today, a lot of things to talk about. Hopefully we can get it within the hour. Otherwise, we'll carry it over to next week. But let's get Steve on the line and uh, start talking Porsche. Okay, welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to the Porsche Cool podcast. Steve is here. Hi, Steve. Hey, mate. How you going? I'm well. How are you going? Yeah, not too bad, thanks. Not too bad. I know you had a busy day, so thanks for making it on time. Steve's got a lot of things oh, going on, and he's still managed to do the podcast for you guys. <laughs> uh, it's all good. It's all good. It's it's fun, so it's cool. But um, yeah, bit, bit of a funny day. Okay. Um, so, Steve, I, I think we'll do a recap, as we always do. Mm. I always sure. like to do a recap at the beginning of the podcast. People seem to like to be reminded what we were talking about last week. But I just want to say uh, the usual things that we start with. Oh, first, last week's um, last week's episode that we did, mm. which I used your name in the title because you were going GT3 shopping, which we'll talk about later <laughs> on. Most people were very interested. People were very interested in Steve's GT3 shopping. So we want an update on right. that later on in the podcast. Um, oh, and. Okay. <laughs> Spoiler alert, I'm going to... It's going to be slightly disappointing, but that's okay. We'll explain it's it. It's still a good story. It's still a good Porsche story. Um, but that episode uh-huh. was a killer, actually. It was a really good one. It was actually better than uh, Ajmal's um, Porsche School stories. Um, Ajmal's Porsche School stories yeah. really uh, resonated. I'll use your word, Steve. Really resonated mm-hmm. with people, with the listeners. They, everyone term. seemed... <laughs> what? Don't, don't use it. It's like influencer. Don't use it. <laughs> Uh, I'm trying to think of that other word when I went to meetings in the US uh, a year ago, a year and a half ago, and I was telling you about it, and I can't remember it. Cut through? Me- no, not mediate. We're gonna we're gonna mediate on it. Through? We're gonna some creativity word that this uh, guy that ruminate is it? What's that word? Oh, we're gonna riff. We're gonna riff. He was saying this guy keeps oh, saying riff, we're gonna yeah. riff. Let's riff it. Let's riff it. Yeah, I don't know I don't how to know play what. the guitar. I don't riff nothing. Yeah, no. <laughs> This is when you're, you know, brainstorming for ideas and creativity. Anyway, we're getting oh, off the track. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there was another one. It'll come to me. It's actually better than riff it, riffing. Let's riff. Let's riff. He keep, used to keep saying. And he was an Australian actually working in an American company. Mm-hmm. So let's come back to, yeah, Ajmal's episode was really good. And mm-hmm. um, I'm going to get Ajmal back on the podcast um, for, a, for a follow-up. Hopefully he wants to do it um, about his 912 because he's getting his 912 back in a few days' time. So not, okay. not straight away, but I think, you know, maybe beginning of November or middle of November, if he's around and wants to do one, it'd be great to have him back on the podcast and just talk about his 912, because I think it's quite an interesting story. And also yep. the comparison between his 912 and 996, considering he hasn't really driven the 912, Steve, you know. Okay, yeah, yeah, cool. And he got his brakes fixed, so his brakes work now, he told me, so that's that's an interesting story too. <laughs> that's handy. Yeah. Yeah. And... I just want to say thank you to all the listeners too, because, you know, Ajmal actually had a lot of new subscribers on his YouTube channel after being on the podcast. Um, so if you haven't followed him already, go and check him out because I really like his story and I like supporting people who, you know, I remember when I only had 200 followers or 250 followers, when you gain another 50 odd subscribers on YouTube in a few days, it's it's very exciting and it, and it motivates you to make more um, more videos. You know what I mean? Mm, it's cool. 
So, Steve, uh, on Friday, as you know, I'm recording um, two more Porsche Cooled owner stories. Um, owner stories, are, people are enjoying them, as I said before. Um, so I'm going to be recording two more on Friday, which will be coming up in the next few weeks. My aim, which you said I think you think I'm a bit crazy, but my aim is to make sure that we have a Porsche Cooled owner stories every week now for at least up until the end of November. That's the plan. Cool. So we have two podcasts coming up every week. And it's funny, Porsche Cooled Owner Stories. It's exciting because people, the listeners are enjoying it, Steve. And it seems that other mm. podcasts are also inspired by um, Porsche Cooled Owner Stories. Inspired so much that, um, you know, like, you know, for us in our normal job, you know, we, you know, for me, for example, you know, you know, I plan, I make, I edit mm. content, you know what I mean? Uh, map yep. content to technology, map content to the story, you know, so yep. it's a day job thing. You know what I mean? And you're an art director. An arc director, you know, you think you're always thinking creatively, you're always thinking about things, you're always thinking of new ideas. And I think that helps us on the podcast because we come up with these ideas. Yeah. And sure, they're not they're not completely original, but they're also not blatantly copied off someone else. Um, mm-hmm. It's interesting hard to, to see original, that. Yeah. yeah, and it's hard to be original, and I know everyone's getting inspiration from everyone else, and I guess you've got to take that as a as a compliment if people are inspired. But it surprises me that people are higher up the Porsche hierarchy and higher in the Porsche world than us, base their uh, podcast on Porsche Cooled. But anyway, the bad news is no more, no new Patreon member this week, Steve. No new Patreon members, mm-hmm. no one supporting us. Everyone's like disappeared. But we have, five, we have five Patreons at the moment. We have five uh, members of Porsche Cooled Exclusive. Um, so that's really good. Um, Porsche Cooled Exclusive, basically you just join, you become a member, limited to 300 members only. It's not very expensive. It's $5 US uh, a month. Maybe that's the problem. Maybe that's your problem. Maybe it's too cheap. It's too cheap. I read some marketing thing somewhere where um, there was a theory that um, if you make it really expensive and it becomes more desirable and people kind of want to jump on the bandwagon even though they have no idea why. Yeah, but I want our listeners just to to join it and and help support us. You know what I mean? No, but I I think you're right because there are other podcasts that have just started Mm. that have Patreons that are charging uh, double or triple that uh, for nothing. Yeah, right. Anyway, uh, we still have our, our five members. We have five members, which is uh, Tim, Justin, James at Auto Amateur, Marcus, and Stan. So thank you to those members again for being a member of um, Porsche Cooled Exclusive on Patreon. If you want to join, uh, just go over to Patreon, so search for Porsche Cooled, and it comes up. You just have to log on with your email, and, and you can you can start supporting the podcast. And also, we, uh, we also need you guys to, if you can, give us a rating on Apple. You don't have to write a review if you don't want to. I know it takes time, but if you could write, give us a rating at least. A review also helps. Um, Marcus, who's been a long, long-term supporter of my YouTube channel and things that I do, um, who's a really nice guy, he's left us another review on Apple and it was a great review. So thank you, Marcus. Okay, Marcus. And just on the podcast, the support of you guys has been overwhelming. And I just want to thank everyone that listens. Does, you know, Even if you're not on Patreon, it doesn't matter. Everyone's listening as a supporter. We were number one in Argentina last week on our podcast. <laughs> okay. So thank you all the Argentinians that are what, that are listening to the podcast because we were number one <laughs> well, in Argentina <laughs> for, auto, for automotive category in Apple Podcasts. We were number five in Malaysia. I mean, this changes, you know, couple daily or every couple of days. Yeah, right. uh, we were seven in Malaysia. Uh, I know you have roots in Malaysia, Steve. We were, um, <laughs> oh no, five in Malaysia, sorry. Seven in Italy, 20 in Canada, 31 in Great Britain, number 87 in USA. USA is a tough market. I tell you, there's so many car podcasts in the USA. It's hard to beat Spike mm-hmm. and, and Smoking Tire, that's for sure. Uh, 13 in Hong Kong. So yeah, there right. you go. 
You impressed? Yeah, I am quite impressed. I'll probably try to figure out how to jimmy all of this, but not going to. <laughs> don't, don't roll like that. So what else? I'll just... I've come across Porsche Club of America side and people in America who are listening are probably mm. going to say you just came across it. But, you know, being outside of America, we can't join uh, Porsche Club of America, which is unfortunate because it's a really good Porsche Club <laughs> considering compared to Porsche Clubs in Australia and, and elsewhere. Even that, have you seen the Porsche Club of America have the raffle where you can win a car? You can yeah. win a 911 and yeah, stuff? Yeah, yeah. That's fantastic. They, Why doesn't Porsche Club of New South Wales so, do that? Um, I, I was tr- not... I actually... Sorry. So when I first kind of joined, um, when I first bought the car and sort of joined the club and stuff like that, I was sort of tempted to try to get more involved. But you can kind of tell, like, people have got to sort of um, donate, volunteer a lot of time. Like, I reckon um, sitting on the committees or being the president and stuff like that, um, uh, I don't, I think it would be a fairly thankless task. Yeah, but I think Porsche Club and New South Wales really need to fix up their website and their their internet presence. Mm, I know it takes time, that's, and that's a template though. Well, I'll, I'll defend them. Like you can tell that that's um just sort of like something Porsche has imposed on them. No, but they have the new template, and then you go to the old website, which looks like it's from ten years ago. Mm. That's still up, right? I don't know. It's a bit weird. Anyway, Porsche Club of America is pretty cool. But I came across that Porsche um, color mm. wiki on the Porsche Club of America, which I thought was really good, especially when you're looking for classic cars and you're looking at at original colours and colours that you could possibly respray your um, 912 in, for example, if it's not a matching coloured car. Like um, Ajmal was saying, he's going to paint his um, slate grey in the Owner Stories podcast. But there's yeah. so many colours. Like I didn't realise that the classics came in so many colours. Half of them I don't even think exist today because I've never seen them come up. Yep. But that's just uh, the colour wiki thing which I was telling you about. I think it's just a great resource, you know what I mean, if you want to respray your car. Yep. Even if you're respraying like how James did his 996, Project 996, you know, there's so many colours yep. there to um, – I don't know how you could match them up or if there's – you'd have to get a good, uh, good paint guy, I guess, that could actually match it up without having a chip of the paint, but – there are people out there that yeah. can do it. During the week, uh, I also saw another uh, article on Porsche Club of America, which is the one I sent you, Steve, which was the one about... Um, I actually wanted to talk about this in another episode. I didn't really want to talk about it in this episode. There was six so, rare and special Porsches you can still afford. Uh, oh, which we that might, one, yeah. That one, yeah. which we might talk about in a different episode because it kind of comes down yeah. to a, like a, the ideal three-car Porsche collection, which you know you and I want to talk about as well. Um, so I think that's a good one. But I still it was don't know what the rules of that is. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm waiting for you to give me the rules because it's really hard. I've been thinking about it for like probably weeks now. Well, and... I think we're a podcast of the people. You know what I mean? Yep. <laughs> I'm going to talk like a politician. We're a podcast. So of don't the pretend pe- you're a billionaire. <laughs> we're a podcast of the people. We're not. We're not. We're not millionaires or billionaire Porsche collectors, which we're going to talk about towards the in the in the episode as well about when we talk about classic shortly Mm -hmm. so i think when you know it's a three-car collection for a normal person and i I class us as normal people you know there's a limitation on the on the amount of money you can spend complimentary of you yep (laughs) so in my mind see and this is where you know i'm gonna people are gonna hate me for this i don't have a problem with having a porsche boxster in the collection right and nobody's gonna and it's because and it's because I know people are buying 996s now because they're cheap, but the Porsche Boxster is still a bargain. It's a bargain, hmm. right? And that one that I came across during the week, and it was also in the rarest Porsches you could buy for like cheap money on the PCA thing, was that 2004 Porsche um, Boxster Spider, the 550 Spider, 
which was made in 100 and 1953 examples or something, wasn't it? Something like that. 1953 mm, examples like worldwide or something. Um, and I noticed a couple had sold in the UK for no money. Like the one I saw in the UK and he sold for £8,000. Uh, mm. The one in Australia is about $35,000. I shouldn't sell this because people are going to buy it. I'm still looking at it. <laughs> but I think it's quite good. It was built for the 50th anniversary of the 550 Spider. And I think a car like that, and my question to you, Steve, it's coming, is do you think, mm. I mean, that's very cheap at the moment. It's 35 grand. Normal Boxster mm. S's from 2004 are probably 25 to 30 grand, probably. Mm. So it's only a mm. small premium, but it is an anniversary model Porsche, mm. if that has any weight. Uh, it does have GT silver paint, as on the Carrera GT. It does come with, you know, full leather. It does have a slightly bump in power over the Boxster S at the time, I think, not by much, by much just a little bit. Um, yeah. It had PSM. I think they all had PSM though. Has a sports exhaust. The back of the seats were also painted in GT Silver. The yeah. tunnel was painted in GT Silver. It had Porsche Sports yep. suspension. Had a short shifter, and it has Litronic headlights. So there's yep. quite a lot of extra on that car. Do you think that that's yep. the sort of car that would become collectible? Mm, don't know. Not sure. I, I think, not just Porsche, but like a lot of car makers have like. Um, uh, a history of kind of releasing sort of special edition type stuff um, to kind of shift cars and uh, sometimes it's hard to kind of pick whether it's a bit of a marketing exercise or not like I remember when they released the 991T I remember sort of distinctly sort yeah. of saying to you it's like oh really like <laughs> I'm really not sure about that and then all the journos kind of go and drive it and actually sort of rate it very highly so um, I don't know I I don't mind the look of that one that you um that you sort of sent, but I don't think it's a small premium because if I I'm I'm not across Boxster prices, but if it's an extra ten grand on a twenty five grand car, um, that's a fairly large premium. Well, it? it's actually not actually because there's another two thousand and four Boxster for sale that I've been looking at mm. in Melbourne. It's like mm. thirty two grand. Um, and the reason why I'm looking at a Boxster is because I, I want Natasha to learn to drive and I think she should learn to drive in a manual. So I'm thinking when we go back to Sydney, she can learn to drive in maybe a Boxster. No, we should go halves and then uh, my wife can drive it too. Yeah, because I want, I think Tasha... I was Tasha... teaching her on the 1M. <laughs> really? Yeah, no, I, yeah, I think... she loved it. It's funny, we were talking about it the other day and she actually sort of said to me, oh, with the benefit of hindsight, I actually really like that car. I was like, oh, damn. <laughs> you should have kept it. They're seriously getting being very sought after. I know. They're, they're crazy. Yeah. They're going to Sorry. go crazy. They're going to be like one of those really expensive BMWs. Yes. Yeah, no, I want Tasha to learn to drive because, and, and I don't think she probably should learn to drive here because I think it's a bit tricky if you learn. If you haven't driven and you learn left-hand drive, then you go back to Australia and you've got to learn on right-hand drive. I think oh, it would be too confusing because I was thinking she could yep. do it here. They have like a course, just uh, a little while. Is a town just nearby. Yep. Where you can actually do the the test, the you know the learning. They have like a proper full track. Tasha would be fine. She she'd be cool behind the wheel. Yeah. So I thought you know teaching the box your partner to, be... to drive is an interesting dynamic though. Huh? Teaching your partner to drive can be an inst yeah, interesting dynamic. I know. Maybe we should swap. I could um, teach Tasha to drive, and you can teach um, yeah. my wife to drive. I remember my dad taught me to drive, and he took me out twice. Right. <laughs> we, I didn't go to a driving school. He took me out twice. Yeah. The second time, yeah. I backed into a wire fence. And then he wouldn't take me out anymore. He just refused. So my brother Tony had to like teach me to drive. My brothers are older, so yeah, as you right. know. But so my brother Tony yeah. taught me to drive. Dad would not get in the car with me again. He would not teach me. <laughs> so that's you know, that's the sort of upbringing that I had. 
Um, <laughs> my dad, my dad, my dad took my sister out. I don't think he taught her to drive. It was a '74 orange Volvo 240 something GLE or something like that. It's like right. a tank. Right. And they, dad took my sister out, and he they they literally managed to go around the corner, left hand bend, and then sort of do a full kind of indent and run into to the back of a, a parked car. Really? And apparently, my my dad told my sister to kind of keep driving. <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh dear. I probably shouldn't be divulging this on. <laughs> I think you probably shouldn't. On the I think internet. when you're learning to drive, I think when you're learning to drive, though, I actually drove. I was actually driving cars when I was thirteen. In Australia, you get your license at sixteen nine months, and yeah. I was driving around thirteen. My brother Warren would actually let me drive his car. We'd go down by the river where we used to live in Wyong, and it was like yeah. no cars, and I'd just drive the car. So I kind of yeah. had a little bit of experience behind the wheel. And then also yeah. we used to, another friend of mine used to have, his brother used to have a farm outside of Wyong and they used to have these things called paddock bashes, uh, which are yeah. probably very expensive cars now because they were like Tiranas and things like that. They were just in the paddock and you get in and you drive it around this, this farm, basically. Yeah. Um, so I used to drive that as well. So I actually had experience, you know, driving cars before I went my license, which I think helped me actually. I think it actually did help me yeah. because I had a kind of an idea of what, you know, to look out for. So Plus driving on loose surfaces, they always sort of say that um, you learn better car control when you drive on gravel and, you know, like that's why yeah. the fins are always so good and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, we used to smash into things. We used to drive it and smash into things. So <laughs> that was a good thing. <laughs> and I, I always like to, cra to crash into things. <laughs> anyway. So uh, what else? 912s. I'm still looking. We're going to get into that conversation because we're going to talk about classics in, in most part of this episode. Uh, there was a white 912. I don't know whether I mentioned it last week. Was that last week? I can't even remember. Beverly Hills Car Club. Mm -hmm. Hate the white. Hate the white. Good example. Uh, $40,000 US dollars. So they're going up in price very, very quickly. The other thing is I sent a message to that guy that had the Tangerine 912 for sale in the UK, um, yep. who was a really nice guy, really, really helpful really pleasant person to like email to because I'm a bit hesitant when you're not when you're partly serious and he sent yeah. me more images of the car um which I want to talk about in the in the conversation coming up but um mm. it, it it was too much for me the car when I saw it it was way too much for me I thought it was just the interior that needed work um but it's also the body so I it's based on opinion I guess but it, it was a bit too much work for me yeah, but sure. last week Steve you went GT3 shopping everyone was interested to know what you were buying they thought you were buying a new GT3 for yourself so um what happened? Oh, was that is all that what you mean? Because everyone, you've been clickbaiting people. <laughs> yeah. No, it wasn't. No, I did now not I click. Understand. Hang on, hang on. We don't clickbait, Steve. I don't know. You did go GT3 shopping. I don't, I don't know what you influencers get up to in your spare time. Like, um, I, so, no, did, did we not talk about it in the podcast? I can't remember. Um, basically, ages, or well, not ages ago, a few weeks ago, an old mate who I used to work with, I drove a 993, he had a 964. Yep. We um, talked about that hadn't bit. Hadn't spoken to him in a while. We did talk about this? That I bit we did. Remember. We didn't talk about what happened okay. when you, you were going to go and look at a GT3. Okay. So um, my mate sort of uh, found like whatever GT3s are on the market in um, Australia at the moment. One was at a dealership in Sydney who um, neither of us and you've never heard of as well. So we sort of thought, never oh, heard you know, of it. may as well just go and have a look. Yeah. Where is it located? Um, mascot. Mascot. So it, the dealership is um, Alex Holland, who I nice, nice dude, interesting, really interesting kind of character. But I just actually, to be honest, I had never heard of him. And at one point in time, he was um, 
down in that York Street Motors um, spot that's opposite BMW Sydney. So that's quite oh, a... Oh, on William Street in Sydney, that, is it? William Street? Yeah, it's, it's a... No, not William. Um, York Motors. New South Head Road. Is that corner of New South Head Road and Barkham Avenue? Oh, right. He was there. Well, I haven't been down there in so many yeah, yeah. years. I, I don't even remember any dealer being there. That's where Porsche used to be. Alex, yeah, Alex said that he was, um, he sort of was in that spot for a couple of years. But anyway, so he had a GT3, a 997, white 997 GT3, and it had some red details, which it turns out that um, it's Alex's car and that he did it himself. Like he painted the wheels and the mirrors red. Oh, and, right. And um, put the decals on it and stuff like that. Um, but he tracked the car, so, right? No, he bought it because he sort of said, as you do, um, I can relate to this. He he sort of explained, he's obviously been a kind of dealer and a collector for quite some time, but he bought it with the intention of sort of finally kind of going to the track because, right. you know, he'd had this massive enthusiasm for cars but had never, you know, sort of become a sort of proper track guy. So I think his intention was to do it, but he just never did. So this <laughs> Five car... Years later, then he sort of... But this this GT3, this 997.1 GT3, it had red painted wheels yep. as per a GT3 RS. It had the GT3 yep. RS stripe. So he put yep. that on, did he? Yes. And so the the roll bar inside, did he paint that? Because it doesn't he come red from... The, yeah. He painted it. Oh, okay. No, he painted that as well. Yeah, right. I think he was inspired by um, the RS. And like, uh, it's interesting. Like, um, maybe you should get him on the podcast one day. Um he sort of had a bit of a point of view about kind of cars and like the whole thing about matching numbers. But, you know, when it's your car, like um, just sort of doing whatever you want with it because it is your car and you've spent the money, which I sort of slightly skew towards. Um, but and I think the listeners, anyway, look, the listeners need to understand, too, there's not many 997 GT3s for sale in Australia, right? And your friend was looking for no. a GT3 and this was one of them. And this one was actually at a very reasonable price. Yeah, my mate, basically, he's sort of just going on a bit of a journey. Like I said, he used to own a 964. Then, you know, he buzzed me and asked about 996s, which I sort of said to him, I don't have much experience with. And then a couple of weeks later, he buzzed me again and sort of said, oh, what about 997 GT3? Um, so he's been kind of going through the gamut. He's been looking, I think he's been sort of pondering 993 turbos, 996 turbos. Um and we basically, we walked into this dealership sort of wanting to kind of have a look at the GT3 with, with the hope that, um, you know, sort of being honest, that, um, that um, Robin could kind of take it for a drive. Um, and, but obviously not, not wanting to kind of do the wrong thing because, you know, like you don't really want to go and just sort of tire kick somebody's car and um, all of that. Not that he'd abuse it, but um, um, so... The, the kind of classic kind of question came up of, oh, well, you know, um, if you're serious, then of course you can kind of take it for a drive. But, yeah. um, you know, my mate didn't want to lie. So, um, which, you know, um, fair uh, kind of credit to him sort of thing. Like he, the car wasn't right for him anyway. So he didn't want to just sort of um, jump in the car and sort of take it for a spin, which is, sorry, going back to why I sort of said, oh, like um, you might be a little bit disappointed by the GT3 shopping sort of story. But it took a bit of an interesting turn because, and this is going to segue into this um, topic that you want to sort of talk about, because um, in this dealership, um, he had this 997 GT3. He also had like a pretty nice 996 Turbo right. you know, with a Metzger engine manual as well. So they're not, you know, that's um, fairly oh, kind of Oh, did he? 996. Oh, is that, that's not the grey one, is it? 
seal gray one no it's silver 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 with a i think it was black interior fairly low case really good neck manual mm. so he's got some really nice cars in there um which my mate again was sort of that was on his list um and you know like these cars don't kind of come up that often so it's hard to kind of find a place where you can you know almost sort of see the kind of cars that you're thinking about side by side um but then yeah. like it kind of the story gets a little bit takes more of a turn because um in the dealership he had some sort of 70s cars like a couple of old pretty cool kind of 930 turbos um yeah didn't didn't have as classic as sort of like 912s or like a 69 type 911 or anything like that but yeah. um the interesting anecdote that the dealer Alex sort of said is like um, when you walk into his dealership, he's got lots of kind of covers all over his cars. Right. And then as you're kind of talking to him and you're asking more and more and he kind of realizes that you're, you know, both kind of Porsche heads, he starts kind of lifting the covers off and starting to show you more and more cars. And he basically sort of said like a lot of people tend to walk into his dealership, get really confused because it's sort of like kid in a candy store. <laughs> And, you know, they kind of lose their focus and they don't really know what um, they kind of want and it becomes a very kind of confused experience. It also, it also um, though, makes it feel like because they're covered, it makes it feel more exclusive, doesn't it? It's also uh, a little bit yeah, that, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know? because there's a bit of theatre in it, I think. Yeah. But I think you... the, interesting, the interesting kind of part of it was that um, my mate sort of went in looking at, you know, sort of thinking more like, 997 GT3 996 Turbo and then you know I think it was like an hour and a half later he was kind of going oh I'd really love to kind of drive that you know I think it was a really nice yellow pristine condition um 79 Sportomatic <laughs> right um what color was that and it's like it's a yellow it's sort of like a pale yellow i don't know what the kind of uh, like um, champagne yellow. name for it is champagne yellow no it's sort of like a lemon yellow but oh, i'm okay. sure that's not the, the it's weird that dealer it. though because when you sent me when you said about it and i looked at the car i've seen the back yeah. i've seen the dealer come up on car sales before i've seen his cars come up because i remember yeah, the backdrop actually. the backdrop that he used but yeah. i never knew where it was and i never really yeah. looked into it it was just like oh what, yeah. where's that dealer it says it's new south sydney but whereabouts is that i didn't really take much notice of it he sold some really nice cars because I remember um, Alex is sort of saying that he sold a um, a Speed Yellow 996 GT3 right. um, 0.2, I think it was. Right. And he sort of said he wished that he never sold it and that that was one that he should have hung on to. So, I don't know. It was just it was an interesting kind of trip to kind of go out and have a look at. Um, I mean, I, I love kind of just looking at stuff and... Chatting with people that kind of enjoy, um, he, he, he knew a lot about Porsches. And Sounds interesting, so. actually. I'd like to go and have a look at it when mm. I come back to Sydney. But you met some good people. Well, so you met this Steve Holland guy. You met the John guy, John from Pro Stitch. Like these Porsche people, even though you've been around. And they know each other. And they know yeah, each they other, know right? Each other as well. But even yeah, though you've yeah. been in the whole Porsche world in Sydney for quite some time, from your, you know, 964, 993 and GT3, and 993, sorry, these mm. people you haven't come across. You know what I mean? It's weird that even in a small place like Sydney, there's these people that you just don't, cross paths I'd with. heard of Pro Stitch before um, I just had never met John because you know like I had a um, you know uh, to be honest I was all my kind of trimming work went to family friends so um, did but, you um, did you see the link yeah. though that I sent you from Justin the guy he used at Artaman have you heard of them before 
I, did you send me a link for that? Yeah, I sent you the link of the Ataman guy, and I sent you a link of the um, of oh, the uh, parts people, the parts or whatever they're called. The parts people you did. I didn't think you sent me the link to the um, the trimmer. Yeah, I did. Okay, I'll have a. I'll go back and have a have a sort of squeeze. Um, they're called yeah, so, um, the um, ones in Ataman are called Car Interior Plus, where Justin had his nine six nine nine six oh, cab refreshed. A... I've never heard of them before. Sorry, I didn't think. I looked at it. I didn't realize it was a trimmer. I thought that was a um, sort of supplier of stuff, as no, opposed no, no, to no. like a bespoke trimming place. No, that's the that's the upholstery place in um, Ataman. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, I don't know. It's yeah. I'm a massive introvert, so I'm not the sort of most chatty, <laughs> friendly kind of person. I think. Pe- so, um, I think maybe people in the UK and the US are listening to this, saying, you know, is, you got to remember, Sydney, Australia is still pretty. It's pretty small. You know what I mean on a world yeah. scale. People who these artisans, yeah. these people, these Porsche sort of pure artisans or whatever we call them, they're very few. There's mm. not that many of them. Do you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, because really I know good if you live too, I think. Yeah, if you live in California, for example, you know you have so many people you could use. Like, there's so many specialists there. You know what I mean? Mm. Especially for classics. Mm. And this gets this gets onto this, you know, the Porsche sort of guy again. You know what I mean? And when you buy a classic, uh, and Australia is a mm. little bit limited. It really is quite limited. Of course, there's Auto House Hamilton does will restore your classic. I'm sure PR Technology would restore your classic. Oh, uh, there's quite a few. There are like you know, there's even more than that. There's um. Uh, the guys on Ron Goodman um, as well. Ron Goodman yeah, is, is really good for bodywork. There's body quite a work. few different people to work on your car. Atlas Bodyworks and Ataman is another one. None of these are sponsored, yep. of course. I'm just throwing them all out there. Um, yep. And did you notice that Justin said he takes his car because the original owner uh, took it there to AutoWorks yeah, in Wyong? I didn't realize. I looked yeah, at AutoWorks' website. He used to work for AutoHouse Hamilton. You must what, know him. Do you know him. what he, the guy's name is? He worked, he worked at AutoHouse Hamilton when they were in DY. I thought he worked at, uh, Por- I was saying Porsche Willoughby, um, but it's called AutoWorks, AutoWorks, AutoWorks. I'm trying to get it up now so I can tell you. AutoWorks in, of course, there's a thousand and one AutoWorks that come up. So let's just do yeah. AutoWorks New yes. South Wales. There it is. AutoWorks Central Coast Sydney, which is Wyong. Mm. So the guy there is, uh, his name was, is Simon Greenwood. Mm. I don't don't know, know him? I've been an auto house. Yeah, because I'd sort of... Uh, he was a major part of the Order House Hamilton team at DY. Okay. So I thought you would have known him nope. for sure because you've Not been the... going to Order House for years. There's a link there, Steve. I just sent it to you. All right. So, um, but anyway, so it's, 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 it's a smaller Porsche world in Australia. You know what I mean? Even in the UK, I found yeah. out there's a lot more people. The other thing I was going to talk about with cars, and, and I don't know whether the listeners, I don't know how they can tell us. Maybe they can tell us by Instagram. But do you think we should do a, a podcast episode on the Macan? On your, uh, you and Cindy's um, Macan Turbo. <laughs> Do you think we should talk oh, about the Macan? I, Do people want to hear about how, how you, the difference between the, the Porsche? I, I know you've touched on it before, but the difference between driving that Macan Turbo, which Steve has, which is a 20, what year is it, Steve? 2015. It's a model year 16, I think. So a 2016 model year Macan Turbo, Steve's wife drives. Yep. Uh, it's a beautiful car. I don't know. I mean, because you've actually said to me in private about the differences when you go for a drive in it, how it's not as engaging and all that, which, of course, it wouldn't be as engaging mm. as a GT3. Um, but we, you know, we should well, probably well, in an episode... Here's another curveball at you. Yeah. My, as you know, mum, my mum, my 71-year-old mum, yeah. 
drives a um, C63, a 2010, yeah. the sort of non-turbo before. And it's immaculate, as everyone should know, it's an immaculate condition. Yeah, and I so, so I kind of go for a tootle in that quite often. Um, I think I sort of went for a drive in it today. And the God's honest truth, I prefer driving that than I prefer driving my wife's really? McCann turbo. Mm. Yeah, but the AMG was a pretty sought-after car at the time. They were very popular in Australia. You know? Yeah, and it, look, it's very hard to kind of compare them. I, I, if you're just kind of going, oh, you want something that's fun that, um, you know, you can stick kind of two kids in the back and all that sort of thing, then... Um, well, I... I think you should have gone Panamera, you know that, instead of Macan. Because I was looking, I saw an article come up and they said the Best Buy, and I think this was on Porsche Club of America as well, you can see what I've been reading during the week, uh, that yeah. the Panamera yeah. 4S, there was a new article up. And I looked at yeah. prices in Australia. I mean, there are some great Panameras for sale, and some yeah. of them are low kilometres. 2010, 2011 model Panamera, honestly. With the V8 in it? Whether yeah, it's V8. Just the, V8. The turbo or the non-turbo V8. Yeah, um, that would be mad. I we, I told you I looked at, we look I I found one um, when we were looking for um, Cindy's car. Um, we just I just couldn't get her over the line because she wanted to sit up higher. Yeah, well, when we first came here, I looked at the Carmine red one that Porsche Bahrain had. Oh, that's right, that was. And good. I wanted it, yeah. and it was actually already sold. And that was, I think I think it was twelve thousand Dina, which is about fifty thousand yeah. Aussie. I yeah. don't know how much that US forty thousand US thirty five thousand US maybe. Um, which was quite a good yeah. price and had low kilometers and it was fully specced out, you know. Uh, they're very, as yeah, I said before, they're, uncle, they're very popular. My here. uncle drives a, um, I don't know which generation KN it is, the GTS that's got that V8 in it. Yeah. Um, and I've driven that a couple of times. That's That engine is brilliant. It um, sounds like a NASCAR. Does it? You told me not to get the yeah. Panamera if it was the V6, though, because you said it was basically a um, Passat engine or something, right? Or something like that. I remember reading up on that. No, Passat? I can't remember if it was a Passat engine, but it, it might be a Volkswagen Group engine, yeah. You've obviously been watching the latest Nick Murray video too, right? The McCann one? No, I haven't watched it. Is that it. why you just raised that? No, I haven't um, watched it. Is there a latest just video? Kind of, yeah, he just critiques um, the sort of McCann range. Oh, no, I haven't watched that. I'll watch that. Um, all right, so let's. What are we talking about, Steve? Where are we? We're 37 minutes in, and we haven't even got onto our main thing. We're talking about classics, and this was spurred on because Steve and I last last week's episode we ran out of time, and this week's episode we're getting close to running out of time, I guess. Uh, we wanted to chat about the classic thing, and I, when I was in the gym the other day, I was listening to my podcast as I usually do. I was listening to Spike's Car Radio, as most people do, um, and it was a Jerry Seinfeld episode, which I'm sure most people have listened to already, and you have, Steve where mm. Jerry Seinfeld made that comment, that quote, I don't know where this quote came from, and I, if I'm misquoting, excuse me, but if you don't like the car, don't blame the car, blame the world. And that was a really good quote, and it kind of resonated with me. I'll use that word again, resonated. It resonated with me mm -hmm. because someone the other day said to me via Instagram, and the person will know who they are, I'm not going to mention their name, so why would you want a classic 912? Why would you want a classic 912? He said, I watched Flat Cap Driver. I watched <laughs> Ashmal's video when he had that first and only drive in his 912. And he said, yeah. after watching that, why would you want one? You know what I mean? And, and I think that's a good question. It, it's, and I think, he's got a, I think he's got a classic. I think he might have a classic as well, but not as old. Right. Um, right. But, and I guess what Jerry Seinfeld is basically saying is, is that the car is based on the generation, right? It's based on the time you're living, correct? I'm getting mm -hmm. a bit off, off track here. 
but you know you're never going to get a car today like a car that like a car that was how it was like in the 60s or 70s you're never going to get you're never going to be able to go back in time unless you buy a classic people say when you buy a classic it basically you know transports you to a different era it transports you to a different feeling a different feeling in the car you know no technology not as much power you know um all those sort of things but you know buying a classic it comes back onto for me it comes back to to the fact that you know the orange one during the week the 912 that i called up about and this is about you know the porsche guy thing again you know which which we have done a previous podcast on about everyone needs a guy, everyone needs a Porsche guy, everyone needs somebody to like help them along the line. And I think this is a struggle that I'm having with 912s. And this is what's refreshing talking to people like Ajmal, for example, because he's got a 912 and, you know, I I chat with him quite a bit over Instagram about it now because he's, you know, he's looking at things for his car. And it's kind of, it's interesting for me because it gives me some more insight that I didn't have before. You know what I mean? And, you know, everyone needs, everyone needs a guy, everyone needs a guy. And I think this is, this is the problem, you know. You got people like Spike and Jerry, you know. Let's be honest; they've got a lot of money. They've been buying Porsches for a long time. They know a lot of people. They have all these guys. They have all these people for classics, for modern 911s, you know, for all these things which they obviously get in contact with and 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 check. You know, Jerry Seinfeld, for example, has someone that searches out cars for him. He doesn't even find his mm. own cars part of the time. I know he's I know he's bought cars on Bring a Trailer because I've seen the auction where he bought something and then apparently he sold it straight away. <clears throat> but he also has a guy that does it, Steve. You know what I mean? And yep. I feel like I may be unprepared to buy a classic, right? This is what I'm thinking now. I'm, thinking Sorry, that, you're I'm not unprepared. Prepared. I'm not prepared yep. because yep. I don't have enough yep. of these guys. I don't have enough of this this community, these people to like tap into. And of course there's 912 forums and things like that. It's like the Tangerine 912 in the UK, the guy that was really helpful mm-hmm. that sent me more images of his car. And I, and I mentioned to you, this to you during the week. Um, you know, he called and, and the car on the pictures and and I actually reached out to, to Gary, you know, and Gary at, uh, classic FX, who, you know, um, does all the inside, the upholstery of a car, but he's also well connected in the UK with Porsche people and Porsche specialists. Um, and I reached out to him because I thought it was just the interior of this car that needed fixing. And he gave me a approximate cost. It would cost, you know, maximum amount it would cost to fix the interior, which Mm -hmm. I mentioned last week. Um, and then he'd also said, he'd, you know, he'd check with his other friend at 912 Revival, who other people have used for 912, the 912 specialist, to see if they knew the car. I told him not to bother because I got the images back. And for me, the car was just, it was just too, too much work. Um, now, the gentleman that was selling the car said it was surface rust. It may have been an easy fix. It was around the windscreen. It was on the rocker panels. It was, there was a lot of holes of rust. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. In my opinion, as someone who's not an expert... And like I said, I don't have a rust expert. I don't have someone to call to find out how bad it is or, you know, do you know how much it's going to cost? And this is what you mm-hmm. need when you're looking at classics, right? You need that person where I go, oh, I know so-and-so at Body Works and he can, I'll send him the images and he can tell me. I think it's, yeah, uh, sorry, you keep going, but and I reckon a big part of this is value because like if you were talking about, you know, sort of like a, a 10 grand MX-5 kind of thing that had, not that it would rust or, you know, like a, a Beetle or something like that. It's just because the, you're putting like much bigger, like even though you're sort of saying, hey, it's sort of relatively inexpensive, it's still, you know, like once you start getting up to like 90 or 100 grand Aussie, yeah, you're still talking about a fair whack of money. So it's not something to kind of just kind of horse around with. Yeah. Like and you're not, uh, you're not Jerry Seinfeld. 
Yeah, and this is the problem. We're normal guys and, and, the, and our listeners are normal sort of Porsche guys, right? Normal money, normal Porsche guys. You know what I mean? And, you know, this car, just back to the tangerine, right? And for me to take that on is is way too big a project. You know, I sent Ajmal the photos too, and he thought it was there was too much rust in it. Um, right. Gary at Classic FX wanted the images because I think he was interested in the car because he thought it was quite a good price. It was about thirty nine thousand yep. pounds, um, which is obviously yep. a lot higher than US cars. Um, and it's no secret Ajmal paid thirty thousand for his. He didn't really mm-hmm. get it inspected. He saw it on a truck, and then he's taken it out and. You know, we'll get him back and talk about it, but there are some things he has to fix up. There are issues with the car and probably more issues he'll uncover. But, you know, I still think, you know, where you're located, he's in the UK. There are a lot of specialists in the UK. There's a lot of people you connect with. Um, But it's coming back to this this guy thing. I don't feel prepared because I don't have enough Porsche guys, right? You have more Porsche guys than me because you've had the 964, the 993, the GT3. You know what I mean? start somewhere, though. Like... Oh, and I'm not trying to talk you into it kind of thing, but I do know where what you're sort of saying in terms of the hesitation. But if, for argument's sake, you sort of said, stuff that I want to kind of get the um, the San and Beige 912 that's in Melbourne at the moment. Um, Which is still the best it one. Turns out, yeah, and it turns out that it needs work. Like, um, I think you'd very quickly kind of find the guys that you're sort of looking for in terms of, um, as soon as you kind of pay John at ProStitch a kind of trip, um, yeah, I think he's very well connected and he, he, he'll he know who can help you kind of with the bodywork and the mechanical bits and this and that, like, because he's got a um, 356 Outlaw. Like, you'd very quickly kind of um, find the people that you're kind of after. But I don't... Uh, I've sort of been watching from a arm's length you kind of going through your kind of classic journey and I do sometimes kind of wonder uh, I think we'll, we'll, we've said this before on the podcast um, and I think I've sort of said it to you offline which is I sometimes also kind of wonder whether or not um, you need to kind of scratch the performance itch be- before you kind of go back in time and you do the sort of Seinfeld thing because what I took from um, uh, Spike's podcast. I don't know if it was that the most recent one, but somewhere along the lines, I think he sort of said on his podcast, which I found really interesting, was that um, Jerry Seinfeld had predicted that at some point in time he'll go all the way back to like the really early, the original 911s, and then yep. even further back into 356s. Um, and Spike just sort of semi-admitted that, um, you know, he was right, that, that, that that's what was happening to him and that he had kind of grown more of an appreciation for that. Um, yeah. So I kind of wondered whether or not the journey sort of is a little bit more like you kind of start with, you know, your base Carrera. For me, it was a 964. For you, it was your 997. For for Nick, it was um, his 997 C4S. Mm. Then, you know, you kind of... Maybe your next one is a slightly kind of hotter sort of, you know, more like a GT3 or something like that. But eventually, are you going to max out on the performance thing because you realize that, you know, um, technology has sort of moved on or you're not like a track person or whatever else. So then you kind of do a bit of a about face and then you kind of go back and you start looking at the classics. Is that is that what Jerry was kind of implying? I think so. I think so. I think you go through and you're right. It's like. It's like most pe- most of the guy, most of the people that I've spoken to on owner stories. In fact, I think everyone that I've mm. spoken to, um, yeah. you know, you buy, you start at the Porsche, you start your Porsche journey, 
you buy a 911, which is obviously one you can afford, but usually you start looking for something that's in good condition, right? And I mm. think this is why people don't go straight to classics because a classic, yeah. you know, you have to, a good condition classic is still going to need a lot of work unless you get yeah. something that's been restored perfectly and you pay, you know, a huge amount of money for it, which most people don't want yes. to. For the budget you enter on, you can either have a reliable modern 996, 997 say, Carrera, yeah. or you can buy an older 911, 912. And I think most people, that, but I think most people go on straight away, but don't most people straight away go to the more modern one? They start off with that, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's just funny. I was going to say, like, the, your definition of modern is interesting because I kind of think that a lot of people go, um, oh, like a 12-year-old car, that's that's really old and then you can kind of go and look at a 12 year old 911 like you know like right now what is that a 12 year old 911 is yep. a is a 997 and you yep. look at it and you kind of go oh wow that looks like a you know to a layman that looks like a four or five year old car because it's so well engineered and so well designed so it's almost like um and that's the attraction that, of the 911 isn't it that that in, yeah. in a nutshell steve you just said it that's the attraction of a 911 you know what i mean yep. It's just that how far back can you go because they're so well built too that, you know, like if that was, um, say, like an older Merc, it would probably, you know, they were really well built as well, but not as well built and you're up for sort of um, kind of bigger bills. But, um, but yeah, I don't but, know, they're just so endearing, I suppose. Yeah, you're right. And I think it is what you said before, though, you know, like you, you end in, at a Carrera, like say it's me or say it's... Nick or say it's mm. um, even Justin who's on the latest owner stories, you know, who bought the 996 yep. cab. And yep. also a lot of people, I, I just want to say something when I'm, I'm getting a little bit off, off track here, but a lot of people that have a cabriolet or have a four-wheel drive Porsche, like their first instance is to like feel like they need, not apologize, apologize is probably not the right word because they're really happy with their car, but it's like, I know it's not the purest choice. I know it's not the choice. You know what I mean? I think... I really wish the whole thing in Porsche would lose that because there's nothing wrong with a cab. Do you know what I mean? Um, would I choose a cab over a over, over a two door, over a coupe, over a hardtop? Probably not. But it doesn't mean I wouldn't like to have a cab in a Porsche collection. Do you know what I mean? And I think this mm -hmm. is the thing with classic Steve. It's it's a balance thing. You know what I mean? Which we were talking about earlier. Um, mm -hmm. If you just go straight in and buy a nine a nine eleven now and you buy a classic and that's all you have. Like a classic as in, a, you know, we're talking yep. 69, yep. 70, 911s here or 912s, right? Yep. 65 to 70s yep. or 70, mid-70s. You know, I think if you just buy that as your only car, it might be very hard to have as your first Porsche. I'm sure there's people who have done it, but for me, I think I'd find it really hard. But in the situation we are now, like you have the GT3, you're in a better situation mm -hmm. because you've gone up the ladder. You've gone up the hierarchy of models. You're at the pinnacle almost of, of the port to most people, what most people are aspiring for. Most people I talk to want a GT3, you know, whether it be a modern yeah. Touring or a 997 or, you know, most of the people sure. in owner stories want a GT3, all of them actually. And you've done that. So to keep the balance and you'd have to keep your GT3, you couldn't just sell your GT3 and buy a 70s no, 911 because no you wouldn't be satisfied, right? No. no way. Yeah, because I'd miss, I'd just miss the sort of performance thing. I think I said this to you in a text um, last week or something just yep. in some weird musings that we were having but um, uh, because you've been sort of talking a lot about sort of um, classics and you know the 912 thing that you've kind of got going I'm sort of sitting in the background kind of thinking oh, I'm not really sure if I get it 
and part of that is mainly because I've never driven one. Um, so I'm not kind of willing to put my neck on the line and sort of say like whether something is good, bad or otherwise because I just don't have enough experience with it. So like first and foremost, I'd love to kind of go and drive, you know, something of that kind of vintage. Like yeah. the oldest 911 I've driven is a 80, whatever my uncle's was, an 86, you know, Carrera. But a long time um, ago. You want to drive them back to back yeah, yeah, with your yeah. GT3, don't you? Exactly, exactly. But part of it for me is like you kind of use me as the example. Like I've got a GT3. Um, if you're kind of following that sort of path, like if I wanted to kind of ramp up the performance even further, then, you know, like by rights, maybe I should be, you know, if I was going to upgrade, which I'm not, hello to my wife. Um, if I was going to upgrade, I'd be kind of going to a 991.2, as you know, manual, something or other, like a touring or um, something kind of fun like that. But I actually have this sneaking suspicion that I might not enjoy it as much because I have a feeling that it might not be raw enough. If you look at what I've done yeah. to my base 997 GT3, like all I've added things to kind of make it more raw and more like my old kind of air-cooled ones. So I may have kind of hit that point where it's sort of like, you know, um, when I had my 1M and I jumped into my uncle's um, M2, which was the next generation of it, yep. per se, I preferred the 1M because um, the M2 sort of was too smooth, not not loud enough, not interesting enough, not engaging enough. Um, so does that mean I may have kind of hit the sort of peak of the sort of Maybe. performance? Maybe. You've thing? hit the ceiling. Yeah, you've hit and, the performance of ceiling. Uh, and so then I should kind of do what you, you've sort of been pondering, which is kind of, you know, if I was in the market, kind of um, go back to something kind of classic. Yeah. But... Mm. The, the the interesting thing about that is that A, I don't know because I don't know if I've got that true appreciation for um, classics yet but I think part of it is because I'm still like quite <laughs> quite immature with the car thing like in terms of I still hanker for you know the loud bit and the sort of um, you know the performancey kind of bits so I might not quite be at that point where you know like I just need to jump into, you know, sort of like a early 70s um, 911 and see what I actually kind of think about it. Yeah, see, maybe... I mean, it seems like the, the classics would actually suit you, though, because of the rawness of the I classic. I love the look of them. Yeah, the look of yeah, them, so the rawness as, as of object, them, the analog nature of them. The fact is the power might be a problem for you, but it may not because that, that oh, whole experience no. when you're in it, Steve, unless you get like yeah. an old Carrera RS, which would cost you like so much money. No, yeah, again, we're not. <laughs> So you're not talking as... We're talking mean. like... I just sort of mean... Yeah, normal yeah. pricing here. But see, because even... I think part of this kind of weird conversation is also the fact that um, because the, like, just 911s across the board have appreciated so much in value, you can't actually sort of have this sort of slightly kind of whimsical um, point of view about it because you're talking about a shitload of money now. Like... You can't just kind of, you know, impulsively kind of go and buy, you know, like a, a cheap 911 because there is no such thing anymore. No, so, which, which is why the 912 is such good value. And I know you say a lot of people then, in Sydney. it's still expensive. People in Sydney, it yeah. is. For what you get, I guess it is expensive. Um, yeah. You know, but you can get one for if you bought one in the US and this is not getting it shipped anywhere in the world. You know, it's maybe sure. 50 grand. Oh. Well, it's thirty nine thousand, isn't it? Thirty to thirty nine thousand. But the ones at thirty thousand now are pretty like mm. they need a lot of work. Um, yeah. Beverly Hills Car Club sure. need a lot of work, and 
you know, eight months ago, they didn't need a lot of work at 30,000. So yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. prices yeah. have jumped, as we said before. Like, I like the idea of it. Don't uh, I love the idea of it. I love the look of it. Um, you know, like when I was um, walking around Alex Holland's um, dealership and sort of hopping into like all of his old kind of 70s things and feeling the clutch and um, the kind of gear shifter and all of that sort of stuff. So cool. Like, and I can remember it sort of, you know, um, my 964 and my 993 weren't that old, but there's still the connection between all of it. Yeah. But um, I guess, so it's not, it's, it's, it, uh, it's not the desirability, it's not the design, it's as an object, all of that sort of stuff. I reckon it's probably going to be partly about the ownership experience. Yeah. Because my little benchmark maybe for um, sort of classics is like my uncle who you know, has a couple of old Beatles, a couple of old original minis, uh, 2002 BMs. Like the pinnacle of the BM, the one that used to be so cheap, the 2002 TI. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's so sought after now. It's such a nice BM, that one. I really want to go and pay him a visit because since he's bought it, I don't think I've ever driven it. I've looked at it and I want to almost like test myself to see if I kind of have, um, I, I can be less childish and see if I've kind Steve, of got an appreciation for no, it. Steve, you, need, you drive the Beetle and you'll know what the 912 is going to be like because <laughs> it's pretty yeah, yeah, much exactly. going to feel the same. I have driven it. Not the same, I have driven similar. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so, like, just use that as an example. Like, um, it's really cool. Like, I, I actually can remember appreciating because I actually, actually have driven it. But when you kind of talked about the... Um, the orange or tangerine um, 912 in the UK and the surface rust. Um, I believe my uncle has completely, um, oh, he's had quite a few cars, which he's kind of, um, you know, resprayed from scratch. Yeah. And the, I, he sort of said to me, the rust kind of comes back. So, oh, right. and then you kind of layer in, this is sort of like probably your, yours and my mindset, which is, I reckon you're a particularly kind of fussy kind of owner. So it's like, as you sort of said, can you live with that? Because if you've gone and tipped, yeah. if you've gone and tipped like, you know, cheap cheap is like a 12 grand respray, expensive is sort of more like a 30 grand respray, you go and spend 30 grand on a respray on a classic something or other and then um, because of the way that it's made up and there's a little bit more surface Starts rust somewhere that kind else of bubbles up around again. the windscreen, mm. is that just going to drive you mental? Probably, probably. <laughs> this is the thing i, I don't I mean, know because I'd, the, the yeah, thing is no experience in it but yeah and i thought it was interesting i keep coming back you know that the seller said it's like surface rust minor surface rust he called mm. it um which you know other people i showed to didn't think it was minor surface rust but like you said right. you get it fixed and it could be quite easy to get it fixed i watched you know tge on youtube and he's 912 and yes. he had a big hole in the fender and he took it to 912 revival yeah. and they fixed that hole and other bits of rust and then they blended the paint so the paint still looked old. And they, it looked like they did a fantastic job, by the way. Yeah, Do you remember yeah, that, yeah. that scene? Yep. And they did a fantastic job. Yes, so it. it can be done. But he also spent a shitload of money on that, on that fixing yes. that, those few things. It was like 12,000 pounds or some ridiculous amount of money. You know, so you yeah. buy a car for 39, you pay another 12. You know, you're getting up there in prices. I mean, of course, you're not getting exactly. up to 911 prices. But it's this thing about perfection, isn't it? It's about like what, you, yeah. what you're happy with when you sit in your car. And I think, yep. you know, the 356 is another story because the 356, and, it, you know, living in Australia, we're in a warm climate, so rust is not such yep. a big deal. But if the cars come from Europe, yes. and that car had come from Europe, that orange one, and it was in the UK, and the guy's been driving it, right. 
Yep. But look at the 356. The, free, the 356 has more rust problems. I was reading articles about them. And like you buy mm. one of those and, and it, c- it could be just completely rusted. That's why most people just completely restore them because they're just, there's just so, many, so much rust problems in the 356. Um, but I thought it yep. was interesting on Spike how, you know, how I think it was Jerry said the same thing to him, didn't he? That, you know, you're going to want a 356. And he said, I don't like 356s. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. And, you know, it's almost like going from modern 911 to a, a 70s 911 or 60, 60 to 70 911, 65 to 70 911. And then you think, oh, maybe I want older. You know what I mean? I never really looked at 356s. I never thought they were that great. You know what I mean? And now I've started looking yeah, at them and I, I can see the appeal, especially if they've got the right little speeds to seats in them and, you know, the speedster is yeah, so much money, but they're... You and Justin talked about it in terms of referencing um, 90210 and what... Um, yeah, he did, yeah. I forgot about Luke that. Perry drove. Luke Perry, the late Luke it's Perry, like, yeah. Yeah, that's exactly um, sort of partly kind of my... Um, uh, how I kind of equate like 356s as well. Like they look unreal, Um they sound like Beatles to me, like when, whenever yeah. I've kind of heard one sort of start up, but I've never driven one. And I'm sure they're beautiful kind of things. Um, I don't know, like, uh, I'd just love to have one for a day on a yeah. Saturday and kind of go for a drive and see if it actually does drive me insane. I think I would tire of it. Whether I actually enjoy it. But would yeah, you I tire, I, I mean, the power, Steve, the one that's for sale that I sent you that's for sale in Melbourne or Adelaide, hmm. it's only like hmm. 60, 60 or something, you know? It's like very, there's no power. It's like 0 to yeah. 100 in what, 17 seconds or something. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. I know it's an experience, but like, it, it, I think that experience is a little bit too slow. I don't know. I, I mean, can't guess at my reaction to that. Like, I, that, that's really why I wanted to kind of go visit my uncle and just go and take yeah. a couple of his old cars for a spin and just sort of see if I can kind of get a rough read and see if i've actually matured any or if i'm just still like a complete child yeah and i'm interested in seeing flat cap driver ajmal doing more videos on his 912 because i'm interested in seeing the driving videos you know especially around the roads mm-hmm. where he lives in the outside of london um yeah because every time i bring a trailer when they put one of those videos up i find them quite exciting to watch when they were changing the gears mm-hmm. and they're in the 912 and i know it's not super fast but it looks yep. it looks exciting you know what i mean it looks like I see them get into it and I think, yeah, I could enjoy that. You know what I mean? Which is what sort of oh, got mate. me hooked have on you, it. Have you watched any of the um, Slight Tangent, the Goodwood um, Speed Week stuff? That Not recently. That just been kind of going on. That old um, classic historic racing stuff. Man, that looks so cool if yeah. you can kind of control a car like that. But sorry, it's completely different. Um, I'll have to watch that actually. 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 I haven't actually watched it. Um, so yeah. where are we? But, uh, it, you know, it seems like the classic thing is something that everyone wants. Like everyone seems to think they want to have a classic, um, but not as a sole car, not as a sole car. Yeah. I just think, um, look, I'm not in that sort of spot at all. I know we were just sort of talk, talking hypothetically, but, um, I think it's just because it's become so expensive. Maybe, you know, like if you, if we were 15 years, if this was 15 years ago, then the notion of kind of just adding like an older one to the collection probably would have been quite easy and you could kind of balance it out and you could have a fast one and a sort of cruisy, beautiful one or whatever. But yeah. um, it's just um, the pricing has kind of gotten so horrifically. Which um, comes back. That it's not. Yeah, you're right. Which comes back to 964s, which are still, you know, 993s and 964s. Is that where you stop? Is that where you stop at the classic side of it? I mean, you can get SCs for like reasonable prices still. I think they're about 80,000 
Australian dollars as SCs are going. Oh, but I thought they were dearer than that. Aren't they? Oh, maybe that's a right. Maybe that was an import one, left-hand drive one. Yeah, I don't know. They just sort of seem like... Oh, 110, 120. You're right. 110, 120 Australian dollars for an SC. Hmm. So... Uh, look, maybe maybe partly in my brain is also because, like, I'm an old fart and um, I haven't kind of adjusted to it, but because, like, I can still remember when, you know, a car like that was more like 40 kind of thing. Yeah. Like, and I remember, when we, <laughs> no, I remember when we spoke about it in 2004, they were like, you know, yeah. 30,000, 25 to 35,000 for the yeah. Carrera 87s. And then I remember yeah. Auto House had a brown one with brown leather interior. And it yeah. had like, I think it could have been a turbo and it was 65,000 or 69,000. I remember yep. you and I were talking I about that. Like, I remember this. That. And it was yeah. like, fuck, that's so expensive. You know, that was so expensive. Yeah. If only we knew. If only we knew. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like looking at the cars in um, Alex Holland's um, sort of thing, like they they look brilliant and they smell really good. Even he turned a couple of them over for us and um, all of that sort of stuff. Like they'd be, I already, I, I know that I'd like it. I just don't know if I would like it for 150 grand. Yeah, that's the thing. Because you look at other things, what else can I get for 150 grand? Exactly. You know what I mean? Like, and do you it, want to get, like, and God help me for saying this, but mate. do you want an old, yeah. you know, Audi R8, manual R8 for 110,000 Australian dollars? Yep. You know what I mean? You know, it's, there's these, there's, exactly. you, there's a lot of options there. Do you want you, an Aston Martin Vantage V8 for like, you know, 70,000 Australian dollars? Yeah. Because I think th- there was a time where 911s were a little bit more, like they were more affordable. It's not a supercar, but... Um, it's sort of like an attainable kind of, you know, proper sports car, but they've just gotten so, so, no, I, so, so much more expensive. Like if you think, what I was going to say is like, if you think about my mate's kind of conundrum, he's, he's had a 964, he's been out of it for a while. Um, you know, his kids are kind of growing up. He's in a position where he can sort of, you know, get into something fun. And I don't know what his budget is. I'll, I'll just make it up um, for argument's sake. Like if he's kind of got 150 grand to burn, um, you know, he, he's going to have to choose whether or not he kind of wants to go down the slightly more kind of classic thing or whether he kind of wants something with a bit more kind of go, which right. would be, I'm mm. assuming, like 996 Turbo. Um, well, even the You good can't ones, have it all, so you have to choose. Yeah, the good yeah. ones are that price, though. Good 996 Turbos are 150 grand Australian. You know, yeah. 165 there's one for sale for. It's hard, though, because I think what you said is when you went into that dealership on, on last weekend... It is that that mm. air-cooled, it's like that, you know, it looks like a Porsche. It's a 911. It doesn't really age. It's timeless, as they say. You know what I mean? But it's that mm. appeal of that air-cooled engine, isn't it? It's that appeal of that classic. It's, it's going back. It's that thing. And maybe it's because of mm. coronavirus and COVID and, we're all, and, and cars are selling so well at the moment. You know, it seems they're selling really, really well. And it is, is it going back to the, to the more classic nature? Um, it's like that motorcycle conversation we were having last night is it yeah, going yeah, back yeah. to more of the roots to like the you know to the basic the basics in a way and that's why classics are having this kind of resurgence i mean they never really went away but it, it is kind of at the moment classics are classics are pretty strong um and it's hard I like you said it's, it's also because like what we were hinting at before or we've talked about it before like new age supercars like a 992 turbo um, Turbo S or a McLaren or something like that, they're so capable yeah. um, that, you know, like maybe um, by comparison, they don't have um, as much character. So like it's kind of gone past that tipping point. 
then you kind of go further because everything is going to be electrified basically so everybody's kind of going oh like um we've now got more of an appreciation for kind of what's been so like everybody jump on the bandwagon there's no soul um there's no soul. I mean, it's exciting to go that fast and it's exciting to see these new cars being the design of them. You know what I mean? Mm. But I'd rather watch on YouTube, you know, a video of someone driving a beat up 912 or an old 911 or, you know, or some, mm. or even a, a singer's a different thing, but what someone driving a singer than I would watching someone drive a Hurricane Performante or a, Fer, in a Ferrari even. You know what I mean? Yeah, modern true, Ferrari. True. It's like those those sort of channels are boring. You want to see the real sort of cars. You want to see the cars that that you do have issues with that aren't completely perfect. And I think that's what's nice about a nine twelve or a classic nine eleven, Steve. That you get one, and you don't have to mm. make it. You know, in, you don't have to make it as it left the factory. In fact, I don't like them when they're as they left the factory. For me, I like them when they're when the body is you know rust free, can be beat up the paint. It doesn't look to look ideal. The interior is fresh. And but mechanically, it's it's perfect. You know what I mean? Well, that that goes back to that sort of thing about everybody's obsessed with matching numbers. And like I'm talking out my bum, I have no idea because I'm not, um, no no experience in any of this. But it does seem odd that because the prices are so high, then everybody's sort of talking about the provenance of you know getting a car with matching numbers. But to a degree, like if the car is that old and it looks as cool as you want it to look. Um, and it's kind of got like a really good, reliable engine and transmission mechanicals underneath it. Like, um, yeah, I get sort of why it's so valuable, but for pretend it was you or me, like our purpose is to kind of go for, a, you know, like a really kind of um, nice weekend drive. Would it really matter that much? Not really. It's sort of like, you know, the a bit of bragging rights or yeah. um, when you kind of get into watches, which... Are very sought after and you know that you can kind of flip it for more money but yep. the truth is that you're never going to flip it so what difference does it make as long as you enjoy it yep yep exactly and the thing is in the 60s and 70s and i i heard this i don't know who it was some some porsche guy in the u.s on one of the podcasts it was such a common thing it was such a common thing to change engines out on 911s you know what i mean mm. Mm. oh yep. instead of fixing it well i have another engine in the corner Let's put that one in. It's the same year. Yep. It's not matching, but put that one in. It's a better engine. And people would just switch yep. out engines. And that's why you have a lot of these um, these old Porsches yep. that don't have matching numbers. They're not matching engine. And a lot of people have yeah. resprayed them anyway. You see a lot of people. What I find really weird is that someone's had a black 911 and they've resprayed it polo red. You know, I, I look at these things. <laughs> I'm, you know what I mean? Like I'm bringing a trailer and it's like, or they had it and it was sand beige and then they sprayed it white or something. It's like, why would you do that? Like you've got such a great color and you just didn't really realize you had a great color, you know? Mm. Somebody could say the same of me, like with, um, you know, retrimming the Perlon um, fabric on the seats of my car. Yeah, true. You just don't know. I guess at the time you just kind of go, well, that's kind of wanted to do and it's my car and, you know, I just sort of did it. The other one was Argyle um, Blue, the really nice blue in the 912 and it was one for sale and it's someone had sprayed it black. It's like, why would you do that? Right. Such a great colour, yeah, that right. Argyle Blue. Um, yeah. What else, Steve? But it's that it's that appeal of, uh, it's, it's you know, the classics. And I'm not saying I, don't, I still don't want a 912. I want a 912. I'm just trying to think yeah, about, sure. I'm trying to think for me the easiest way to do it. And I thought buying one in the UK was going to be simpler because of the experts there and the guys there that could fix it. But now looking into it, I think it might be more complicated, which brings me back to the, you know, in Australia, there's a limited number of ones for sale. The sand beige one is still for sale. Yes. I don't understand why the sand beige one hasn't sold because I think it's a pretty good car. 
It comes back to that t- is a lot easier because it's in Australia. You don't have to pay duty. You don't have to pay freight. You don't have to insure it from the UK if you're buying it from the UK and getting it sent back to Australia. You don't have to worry about compliance. The seatbelts are fine. The headlights have been changed over, which costs like two grand, the right headlights. You know, all these things have already mm. been done and it's in Australia. And to me, I don't mind paying a little bit more for that. Do you know what I mean? Sure. I think most people would probably sort of say that too. It's probably... Again, I'm not I'm not kind of shitting on them because I don't know enough about it. But um, I think I asked um, Alex again, um, basically on your behalf, uh, like you know, do you know of any kind of nine twelves or have you kind of come across a lot? And um, he knew of the San Beige one that's on the market, so he's obviously you know like um, he's across everything, and he just sort of said, ah, oh, similar to I think what um, uh, John at Pro Stitch. No, nobody was shitting on it, but everybody was kind of going, wow, they're kind of getting up there in price for what you kind of get. Because they so. were giving them away. I remember even car sales years ago, they were nothing. And I mean, 30 yeah. grand, nothing. You know what I mean? Australian. Yeah. Um, there's an actually a really nice green one in Australia. I came across it. There's a guy that has an Instagram account that has um, a 2002 Ti. He does a lot of BMWs on his Instagram. Right. And his friend has an Irish green one. There's an Irish green one in Sydney because they had a video of it in Sydney, which actually looked quite good as well. Actually, there was, sorry, just while I remember, I think on um, Autohouse's Instagram, they're working on a 912 Outlaw, the grey one that's got drilled door handles and stuff. Oh, really? I mean, there is yeah, a guy in Sydney it's... too, the Paddington Outlaw guy who's got the 912 with a Polo engine, which would be amazing. He doesn't really yeah. post that many photos of it, but that, that would be a pretty amazing car. I don't know how much it cost him to do all that. I think he said at the time on one of the forums that the engine was 20,000 US, the Polo engine to mm. do. So it's right. a big, and you know, so you don't need a matching number car if you're going to change the engine out. So maybe that's what people do because they want to have the more power in the 912. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that Polo guy is one of the guys in, in LA that's well-respected. There's Will Hoyt. There's that Polo guy. I think Polo guy works out of his garage, I think. Right. But there's a few people there that, you know, that I think Spike and, and Zuckerman have actually quoted. But it, yeah. it, it, it's too much to talk about it just in one episode. There's so much when you get start getting into classics and what you want. But I guess, Steve, to, to finish this podcast, do you mm-hmm. want one? Would you buy one as a second know. car? I actually uh, take out by sort of um, financial status. Yeah, yeah. perfect world. <laughs> marital. Um, I, don't, I actually just don't know. I really don't know. I'd need to kind of go and drive one. I really... Because I know I love the look of it and I love the idea of it and all of that sort of stuff, but um, I would want to kind of go and drive one to see what it's like, to see um, how I felt about the actual kind of driving experience. Yeah. Because, you know, if it was, call it 150 grand, again, um, just making up numbers, um, if I had 150 grand to spend on another car, would I go and buy like an old um, 911 or would I prefer to have like a... A nine six four, or um, an like old a Boxster. resto mod type thing, or a yeah, or a, a Boxster Spider kind of thing. Yeah, um, yeah. They Which would be the sort of things money. that I would be thinking about, and I don't know if um, I would necessarily kind of jump into a classic at that yeah. sort of yeah. price. Fair enough. Fair enough. I but, think that's a good spot to end it. What do you reckon? Yeah, cool. All good. That was good, mate. Thanks for thanks for the chat. I feel like there was a lot of rambling again. <laughs> <laughs> Have we rambled? I don't know if we've rambled. I mean, we're just talking know. out loud. It's like we're having our coffee and we're we're sitting back and we're sitting, you know, watching the sunrise and talking about Porsches, right? Sunset, I should say, not sunrise. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Too early in the morning I, for me for sunrise. Sunset. Yeah, I don't know. I have no idea. It's all good. 
All right. Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening today. Uh, like I said, this is a Porsche Cooled podcast. You know that already. Um, we are on Instagram, Porsche Cooled on Instagram. Uh, check it out. Lots of nice pictures of Porsches. Give us a follow if you go there. And I think that's it for today. Thanks again, Steve. No worries, mate. Take care. Have a good week. You too. Um, and we'll talk to everyone soon. Thanks for listening. Bye for now. Oh.